You are now tuned into I Shaved My Ass for This, a podcast about all things dating and desire from the perspective of those on the margins. Here's your host, Natalia Lee Brown. Welcome back to I Shaved My Ass for This the show about all things dating and desire from the perspective of the margins. I'm your host, Natalia Lee Brown, and I'm just so happy to have a second show. Let me tell you, like, (laughs) the first show, the series premiere, premiered last week, Thursday, November the 2nd, and I'm happy that I made it to number two. I can't even lie. For everybody who tuned in, shouted it out, gave me a follow on socials, thank you so much. Seriously, I saw each and every one. And it's kind of like when you're young and you have a birthday party and before the first guest arrives, you're just there wondering like, is anybody going to show up? So, you know, thanks for being down at the very start of the journey. It's a learning process, so learn along with me, and yeah, let's get into episode number two. So this week, we're going to talk about something that initially, when I thought about the topic, I was really triggered by. Um, The guest that we have on today is a friend of mine, a new friend that I've made over here in London, and I remember back in late summer... We were at a local market, just kind of browsing around, and we were talking about dating, of course, and he was telling me a little bit about his history, and he described the women that he dated as crazy, and I immediately got interested because number one, I was triggered, and number two, here was finally an opportunity for me to talk to a straight man about what the hell crazy means. When somebody is acting crazy, when you're dating somebody and they turn crazy, it's such a blanketed term that I feel as though, and this is my personal feeling and opinion, but I feel as though men weaponize the word crazy because other men and some women will just kind of automatically assume they might hearken back to a moment when their partners acted out of pocket or when they felt as though the actions of the person that they were involved with were unjust. And it's this very broad term to describe something that's kind of specific that happens in relationships. Before I introduce my guest and we get into the topic of conversation, please join me on this story time. So I realized that I was triggered because in my dating history, I've been the crazy girl. Like, I know for a fact that there are two people that I've dated in the past who walked away from the relationship and called me crazy. I know this because I've heard it through the grapevine. People have told me what these men have said. And it hurt. Like, more than being selfish, more than being self-centered, or whatever else people can say to describe a former partner in the spirit of hurt and feeling some type of way after the relationship has ended being described as crazy it hit a particular nerve in me because the situations that led to the relationship demise were not one-sided a and b the kind of crescendo of events was building for quite some time 
And that leads me to my own hypothesis that somebody that you're dating just doesn't pop up one day and is unhinged, right? Not only is describing somebody as crazy a very ableist term and like problematic because people do have mental illness, you know, myself included. I do suffer with depression. I do suffer with anxiety. Topics for a later episode. But to weaponize those disorders without any context, if that is the case, is unfair. And if the person doesn't have any type of disorder or they're just acting in a way that you prefer they didn't or they're not acting according to your standards or what have you, that doesn't mean that somebody's crazy, okay? So a few years ago, a long time ago, I had graduated from university and I had a really hard time finding my first job. In fact, when I graduated initially, I was working at a skincare counter in the mall. I was so unhappy. The job market was absolute trash. I had thought that I wanted to be a lawyer at the time. And so I was fighting so hard to work for a nonprofit and I couldn't get my foot in the door. This went on for months. And I was getting discouraged, you know, when I finally did land that coveted nonprofit job, it was not what I thought it would be. It was not what I had hoped it would be. I was like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. It just wasn't a fit. On the plus side, I came to the conclusion that I did not want to be a lawyer. But on the negative side, I had really struggled through those few years at that job. It was in this context that I met this particular partner, the first person to call me crazy. And at that point in my life, when I had linked up with him, I was really aware of the fact that I didn't like him necessarily, but I liked the attention that I got. I liked feeling wanted. I liked having an activity partner. I liked having something new in my life. I remember not really wanting to invite him to things. I remember not really introducing him to friends outside of my roommate because I knew ultimately that this wasn't the person that I was going to end up with. But selfishly, I kept engaging in this relationship because my life was fucked up. I was in a bad place. So this went on for about three months. During the course of three months, as you may deduce by now, the experience wasn't great. I wasn't the most attentive and he was highly insecure. I remember this one time we had gone out for tacos and I was just honestly asking this guy about his tacos, like somebody who wasn't my type, he wasn't flirting with me, nothing. I was just spending so much time with my partner at that moment that having another casual conversation was exciting to me. And... The guy that I was dating got up and left mid-meal after two or three lines of conversation. And I wish I was joking. I was so embarrassed. Another moment in time, we had gone to the grocery store, the shops, and I ran into an ex of mine. This ex was somebody who I had ended on really good terms with. I ended up working for him for a year or two after we broke up and we were cool. I saw him in other relationships. He saw me in other relationships. There was never any jealousy, 
But when the guy, we'll call him, we'll call him Marcus for the purpose of the story. The ex that I'm talking about in this story, his name is going to be Marcus. When Marcus saw me talking to my older ex, his whole setup changed. His body language changed. He got quiet. And to me, I'm just seeing an old friend, but he was like, oh, you know, like, are you guys still talking? And just asking all of these really prodding extra questions. Our three month relationship was filled with moments like that, with moments of instability, with moments of confusion, chaos. We weren't a good match because at the end of the day, two people who are not in the best places personally are gonna be in a messed up place together. So the fateful morning comes, I think the night before we had had some kind of argument. I think I'd asked for a break cause I've been known to do that. And I woke up to the most scathing, hateful email I have ever received in my entire life. Mind you, this was my last day at my job before I went to go and freelance as a rideshare driver and a restaurant hostess. <laughs> so I'm getting ready for my very last day. I open up this email and it's just filled with accusations that I'm diseased, that I am doing nothing with my life because I haven't pursued my creative endeavors. It was a lot of projection because Marcus was a creative who hadn't reached the levels of success and notoriety that he had hoped. But in that moment where I'm tired, I have a lot of emotions going because it's my last day at work, I lose it. I lose it. I get in my car, I drive over to Marcus's house, I knock on the door, and mind you, it's like eight in the morning because I have to be at work. And he's blocking the doorway, and in my desperate attempts at communication, I push past him. When I push past him, his roommate comes out, there's this commotion, and the roommate, poor guy, he's all flabbergasted, and Marcus decides to call the police. And for context, I'm black, Marcus is not. Take a wild guess at what Marcus is. So the San Francisco PD show up. Luckily, they can see the absurdity of the situation. Thank God. And they just tell me to go home. I'm left to go to work in shambles. The last impression that I left at that job, they must have thought I was nuts and they were happy to see me go because I was broke down. In the weeks that followed, thanks to the homies out there, I got word that Marcus was going around town telling people that I was crazy, telling people that I was still sleeping with my ex, that my ex had probably given me an STD, which is false, um, and really creating this narrative about me. And it's one that really impacted my life. I had friends who I was just becoming close with at the time and their circle had heard about the rumors and had warned them against hanging out with me. I had people who were very distant and it hurts because when you are described as crazy or when you are characterized in such a way, it is so rare that people take the time to get your side, to even acknowledge your humanity in the situation that there are two elements 
in every relationship. Back to my guest today, when I heard all these years later, when I heard a friend of mine describe their dating history as dating quote unquote crazy women, I had to get to the bottom of it. We had a really delightful and really open conversation. So please enjoy this discussion with my friend, actor and musician, Jamie Casago. Back again with another another guest who um, agreed to talk to me for some reason. So yes, could you please introduce yourself to the I shaved my ass for this audience? Hello, audience. Uh, my name is <laughs> Jamie Kasongo. And Jamie, what is it that you do and how do you identify? I'm an actor and a musician and identify as him, he. Okay. And who do you usually date? Uh, I usually date women. Okay. So just to get this kicked off, just kind of by, this is like what I like to call my icebreaker round. <laughs> Could you give us a story that kind of had you thinking, maybe literally or figuratively, I shaved my ass for this in terms of dating? Anything that kind of let you down, that was funny, that was weird, that like maybe low-key was scary? I don't know. Yeah, I think I do. It was, gosh, this was more than a few years ago. I just finished, I just graduated from uni. I was just getting into the game, you know, doing the audition thing and all that. I was working at a, like, a gastro pub in uh, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was a waiter and there was a, uh, there was a waitress there. And we, you know, we flirted here and there time to time. And then one night, you know, one thing led to another. And, you know, it was cool. It was really, we had a good time. And she seemed like a really cool person overall. And I was like, oh, this is someone that I could definitely hang out with again. Right. And then about a few days after after, after that night, uh, we were at work at the same time. And uh, like a, a hen do, like a, a bachelorette party had come in. Right. Oh, just they... for just for the listeners, Jamie is American, but he lives in the UK. So if you hear uh, kind yes. of like a bootleg accent, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just, you just straight came from me. You weren't even summoned. That's Rah. great. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have wore a vest had I known. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> please continue, please. I'm um, yeah, so this bachelorette party comes in, and uh, then my table. You know, I'm doing. You know, I'm doing my job. You know, I'm waiting this table. The organizer of the and uh, do at the at the end of the meal. Uh, we're just chatting. You know, she's telling me what she's do, what she does, and all this stuff. I was having, you know, just a conversation. I'm clearing the table. I'm taking the plates uh, back to the kitchen, and uh, this female's just kind of there, like she was like, and it seemed like she was there for like a minute like she'd been waiting the home for girl me to... your co-worker home girl yeah okay yeah so she it seems like she's sitting there she's waiting for me and I, I come i come through and i was like hey what's up and she's like so what was that and i was like i'm sorry what was what <laughs> she was like so did you like so who's that who's the who's that chick at the table i was like you mean that you in the the hen dude it's like yeah who's that you were talking to being the person that organized the thing. <laughs> and, she, <laughs> and she was like, oh, she was the organizer. 
I was like, yeah. She goes, oh. And then she goes, oh, that's crazy. I thought she was seven. And she tried to, like, laugh it off. I let it slide. I was just like, you know, maybe maybe miscommunication, maybe something else. That night, uh, I get home, you know, I'm chilling. Send her, you know, hey, let's hang out tomorrow. Some good night. Da, da, da. And she's like, she says something back. Yeah, good night. She is. And just so you know, if some chicks try to talk to my man like that chick was talking to you tonight, I don't know what I do. Wink face. When I tell you. <laughs> Girl, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay, I... so just to clarify at this point, you guys had one thing led to another once, right? Just once. Yeah, yeah just once. Was there any sort of like, conversation in terms of like this is what we're doing now or you know that was fun like let's keep it cool or was there any sort any kind of conversation about the hookup before after you know it was there was that oh that was really fun Mm. you know um yeah that was kind of it there was no I wouldn't say there wasn't like a so shall we talk about what just happened right Right. Okay. No, it was very. It seemed very. It, the, the atmosphere seemed very casual. It was like, yo, that was okay. fun. That was cool. Okay. What are you up to today? Right. Yo, I'm doing this. What are you up to today? There was no agreement. It would even happen again. It was just kind of like, gotcha. yeah, cool, cool. See you at work, type thing. So I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that was cool. Great. Yeah. yeah. That was, you know, I'm, you know, walking on sunshine type. I was just like, yeah. oh, I can get on with my day, my life. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm in a relationship of some kind that I had no idea of. Like, she, you know, she watching me like we've been married for like five years. Like we got two kids or something. Like it just seemed to have gone from zero to 100 extremely quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so the next day um, I hit her up and I was like, yo, let's let's grab a let's grab a coffee. Uh Oh, let's go. And she's like, she's like, oh, no, I can't today. I'm really busy. And I was like. That's cool. That's cool. You know what? Um, I just want you to know, like, I didn't think we, I don't think we're in a relationship. I don't, I hope that I didn't give that impression to you. <laughs> but like, I just want to make clear, like, that's not the thing. I'm not really looking for that right now. Right. If you want to keep hanging out, that's cool. But if not, I understand. Right. To which I didn't get uh, a response. It was just kind of like, it was it. And then work was <laughs> like, and I was, I was just, I was just like, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I need what did to you do? Because, leads? because you kind of um, shot where you ate in terms of uh, you have to see her. There has to be this, like, what, what do you do in that situation? I had to go to work, didn't I? So yeah. I was like, well, I don't know what's gonna happen, so I'll just have to deal with whatever happens if something yeah. happens. Like after that message was sent, the next like two shifts I had, she wasn't on. So some time had gone by. Right. And then that by that third shift, you know, it was uh hey, hey. <laughs> I was shook. I was just shook. It came out of it just was so she was so like in like in like confident about it too. Like she it was like boom. This is it. I, I thought I don't know. She thought she was like being cool, like yeah, I know what I want, type of thing or whatever. But it just it <laughs> came on strong. It was potent. It wasn't okay. So um, the reason why I think that story is great because background: the stories that I've heard of your dating life have this theme where there is a kind of shift towards intensity. 
and kind of seemingly maybe unbeknownst to you, but the way that you have kind of characterized it is how so many straight guys characterize intensity or when something happens as X, Y, and Z was crazy, right? So I want to talk mm. about crazy and like what that means and why you think you attract people who present themselves in a way that you can describe as crazy. Crazy to me, mm. I guess, is what I would define as toxic intensity. It's like somebody trying to distract them, themselves from something else. It seems like such a latch on, like a leech type of thing. Right. And in my experiences, the the running theme is this person's uh, just gotten out of a relationship. This okay. person is dealing with some type of insecurity hmm. that they that potentially has a trauma uh, that they haven't fully either addressed or have uh, healed from. Honestly, the same way an alcoholic uh, would go to alcohol or something. This this neat like this thing that I, I it looks to me as if you're using to numb yourself. Got it. That's that to me is crazy. I have to admit that the 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 crazy trope is a bit triggering for me because I've been the crazy ex. But there's there's a whole there's a whole apparatus around what gets you to that point, right? Mm. There's a there's a whole world of things that include both parties, an interaction between both parties and that elicits a reaction from one of the party making it easy for maybe the more offending party to walk away and say, well, look, they're crazy, right? Mm. And I feel so men have the advantage, like straight men have the advantage of this because people so readily believe like rumors about women, right? Oh, I heard she's crazy. Like, you know, there's been so many tables that I've been at with men like spreading rumors about women that they don't know. And it's usually another woman being like, where the hell did you hear that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that doesn't even make any damn sense. So um, as somebody who finds himself in these situations, my first question is, what role, if any, do you think you play in eliciting said crazy? I think it takes two to tango, right? Mm. I think there's there has to be something said about you attract what you ask for type of thing. Okay. So I think, you know, I'm putting something out there and there's something that I find attractive about uh, these said crazy women. So... <laughs> I think, you know, I'm setting my, I think I'm, I said, you know, I'm setting myself up a little bit. How uh, so? I think for me personally, when it comes to uh, the pursuit of a partner or whatever, I wouldn't say that I'm ready to pursue a partner, a life partner right now. There are things that I feel I need to take care of beforehand before I uh, embark on that journey. So because of that, I think there is something to be said about the type of woman that I go for. You know, there is essentially somewhere, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, deep down or surface level. I know that this isn't going to last long. I know that, you know, there's going to be an out. I know something's going to pop off that's going to make it so that I can essentially walk away from from this. And But OK, so you yourself have the knowledge that you are not in a place to pursue anything serious and you know mm. in a more 
long-term kind of way, right? You mm. may show up intentionally. You may only be talking to one person at a time, whatever your situation is. But my question is, do you make your situation clear to those who you are dating so that they have realistic expectations? I try my best to do so. I do, I do <laughs> at some point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and what does that look like? Like, <laughs> you mean you try your best? Like, it's like that, uh, it's that classic song. Uh, I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. What are you talking but, uh, about? Talking I can be misunderstood. <laughs> I'm about to get crazy right now. I don't, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't sit there like before I, you know, before I, I link up with somebody, before I start dating them, whatever. There's no conversation. There's no like essential, like, hey, by the way, here are my intentions. What are your intentions? That feels like a job interview. And that's a personal thing. That's a personal thing in me. I'm, I'm keeping real with you. That's just a thing in me. I like things to be a little bit more f- fluid in their integration into the conversation, I guess, when it comes to that. But that being said, you know, at some point, if the if it does pop up or there's an opportunity for me to slip it in, then I'm very career focused. I'm not looking for anything serious right now. I will get it in there somehow, some way. I may not be like straight up like, yeah, unless if she straight up asks me, like that we're sitting at dinner and she, she asks me straight up like, yo, what are your intentions? Then I'm going to be like, yo, blah, blah, blah. But me, as a, I'm not going to do the first thing. I'm not going to be like, by the way, hear my intentions. If it comes up in the conversation, and I feel like if it's going to come up in the conversation, it's because that's what you're both looking for anyway in the thing. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you there's some type of, there's been some type of conversation like this. You know, I know people use this, you know, hinge and this Tinder and whatever and all that. So there's usually some <laughs> called hinges in the Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's why I heard the kids are using nowadays. All right. Uh, but there's some type of conversation already. So where, you know, there's intentions are known. Right. And I think if that if in those in those particular type of instances, yeah, do you know what I mean? Put your cards out on the table. Um, but for me, you know, if I just see somebody walking down the street and I think they're attractive and i approach them and it goes successfully and da, 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 da. and then we link up i don't know how i feel about this person yet i already know this isn't what i'm looking for i'm not looking for a partner so i don't know how i feel about this person yet and if it, it gets to that point where that it just can't, it comes up in the conversation where we've seen each other a couple of times and it's like yo what are we what's going down I'll be very upfront. I'll be very honest. Right, right. I'll just be like, yo, you know, I like how this is right now. And um, let's see, you know, I'm not, I move very slowly. Do you know what I mean? Let's, let's just keep hanging out and see, you know? And if you're, if she's cool with that, then she's cool with that. You know, that's like, that's like, a. <laughs> but if she's not, but if she's not cool with that, then she's, she's given, I've given her the opportunity to tell me because I've been honest. So I would expect honesty back. I mean, you've been honest, but there's a difference between honesty and transparency. And I respect what you're saying and how it works for you, right? I do know that there's an aversion to like in dating to be like upfront because it does seem kind of clinical. It does seem very what have you, but there are people who do date intentionally. And I think that that is more so on the rise. And especially like, as you get older, like, you know, everybody's busy. And so I think that 
creating an environment that's open-ended also could lead somebody into thinking that they're in the running for something more serious. Things always start off being casual and feeling each other out. But if the intention isn't spoken about in a clear and concise way, then by the time it kind of comes up about in this roundabout way where you're saying, I like where things are going and kind of let's see, there's already an emotional investment. There's presumably physical contact. There's regular conversation and interaction. There's already going to be some part of somebody's mind that you're dealing with that thinks like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe this could be something a bit more serious and already kind of framing the situation in that way. Instead, if, you know, it doesn't have to be date number one where you're like, you know, listen, sweetheart, my, my, my lover is my career. And just so you know, you stand. no, it doesn't have to be like that. But I think that they're in an effort. I mean, if you, if you, if you like it, I love it. If you like the, the rush of endorphins of dealing with somebody who's been pushed to the brink or has a different picture in mind than what you have in mind, then good on you. But there is a way to kind of set intentions clearer and earlier, right? Yeah, you are absolutely, you are absolutely right. I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. Uh. Um, my only caveat to that is that I still believe <clears throat> it does take two to tango. Mm. All right, it's that time again, commercial break time. Get your water, stretch out your leg, shake it out. We are on episode number two and I am still without any sponsors, so I'm gonna use this time to highlight some resources based on the topic that we have today. It's not about dealing with an unhinged partner or whatever. I think it's really important to highlight the need for black male mental health. I think that black men oftentimes don't really take the time to realize that they can use some support and that maintaining a healthy mental hygiene is essential in order to navigate the hectic racist world that we live in. So having an effective, safe community of people to help you navigate that is essential to success in my opinion. I found a couple of resources for my American friends and for my UK friends. For those in America, if you are a black man or if you know of any black men who could use a little bit of support, there is therapyforblackmen.org and like their title says, they're focused on providing culturally competent therapy for black men and men of the African diaspora. There is also blackmenheal.org and they are primarily on the East Coast, but they do have a lot of great resources and links and bits of information to get you started on your journey towards mental health, towards a positive mental state of being. And for my UK friends, um, it was a bit harder to find something, to be honest, but I did find an organization called blackmenshealth.org.uk, and they seem to have a really good collection of therapists in London and throughout Britain and 
it does seem like a good place to start your investigation if you are looking for a therapist or are just looking for ways to maintain your mental health. So there's no shame in seeking help. There's no shame in needing support. This world is wild and we need all the support we can get. So check it out. Links in the show notes. So if, you know, if I'm expected to come to the table with clear intentions, I think she should as well. And I think she, I would like to think that I give off the uh, uh, impression that she can be honest with me. You know, it's, it's, of course, it's easier said than done, especially when you're presented with something that you ultimately don't want to hear, really. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think where we can fall into situations that become difficult is when there there are things left unsaid mm. and there, and there's time that is allowed to be uh, spent pondering these things where they're not just being right. talked about when they're, when they were already presented right. or you spend a lot of time festering over it. Mm. Uh, and even when you see each other the next time, you still don't bring it up. And then another layer is added because it's still in your head. You present this in a way where it works for you and your life, but then your experiences aren't necessarily working, right? Yeah, no, don't get it twisted. This is, this is, this, all this is from uh, afterthought, from reflection. You okay. know, when I'm in the thick of it, it's horrendous. So, <laughs> so, because <laughs> so, you, some stories that you've told me, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I'm, I'm like, I'm at a point now. It's just like, yo, I, if this happens one more time, I think I might, I might, like, I might not recover. So I'm like, I made a conscientious choice moving forward yes. that you know that I've now been able to identify that as what I deem toxicity. Okay, and I'm in a process of healing mm-hmm. where I'm learning to not go for that and what does that look like like what does that healing journey or what does that recognition like what do you need to change about your outlook in order to not be um enticed by that discipline and consistency because i know now that it's like ignorance was bliss but i'm not ignorant no more right so i can see it now Hmm. and once i see it i have to practice as much as i can restraint like I have, I like, I have to, right. Like there's no, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's just kind of like, yeah, that's, that'd be great. But I've been down this road before hmm. and, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, you know, <laughs> that's about, I'm not, yeah, 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 absolutely not. But, you know, I'd like to think I'm getting better. Okay. Um, and that just requires, you know, it's baby stepping it. Um, because yeah, it was it wasn't good. It wasn't good for me at all. Right. Mentally, physically, emotionally, it wasn't good for me at all. Right. Right. Okay. So you know, you're an adult. You're you're mm. you're knee deep into your adulthood. What is it about where you're at right now, physically or mentally, that you don't? You said you're not ready for a relationship a serious relationship, not necessarily that you don't want one, but you're not ready now. What about your current state deems you not ready? I think given the 
experiences that I've had in the past. And, you know, I'll say it again. I think it's my favorite saying. It takes you to tango. Mm. You know, there is something. I'm obviously doing something toxic as well to have this rinse, wash, and repeat. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and harping back to what I said even earlier, what I deem crazy is that, like, intense toxicity, you know, that I can't. I can't deny that there's that is in me. Mm-hmm. There's something in me that you know that has, um, and so I need to deal with it. I need to heal from it. I need to be able to understand it and be able to, if it's not going to go away, uh, practice discipline on it, control over it. Mm. Um, and so that's when, so that's what I mean when I'm not ready. I'm still healing. I'm in a I'm in a process of healing. I'm in a process of um, self discovery from that. I'd like to think I've seen a few relationships that I would deem very healthy and very like things that I would inspire or would like to be like. And I also see what those require hmm. and what that takes. Um, and I'm not there yet. Mm. I'm not very there self-aware. Yet. That's very self-aware. Yeah. I, 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 and I'm just, and you know, I got to keep it 100. If I'm, you know, I got to keep it 100 with myself. Right. And, you know, so I got to, you know, I'm on a journey yeah. and I got to figure, I got to figure me out. Mm. You know, I can't take care of somebody else if I can't take care of myself. Totally. Like, how, how will you know when you've healed enough? How will you know when you're ready? I w- I'll just know. Some, like, I don't know how to explain it other than that. Mm. It'll be... You know, they always say, you know, in those relationships, like, it's never meant to be hard. Mm. It's just supposed to, like, flow through. Like I said, harping back to the, to- the the stuff that I'm dealing with and stuff, you know, there's 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 trust issues as well with that. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just, you know, I got, I got, I've had my heart broken mm-hmm. more than once. And so there's a reluctancy to, like, just give that out mm. from the jump. Mm-hmm. And then... In, in relationships is just a general standard, you know, that that overflows to my friendships yeah. and my relationship with my family. So it's like, I also need to learn how to mend those too. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to be gained from, you know, healing with people around you and the support. And, and, and I think I can still do that with family, with friends, because I have, I have neglected those relationships in the past as well. So even before I start trying to find a partner, mm-hmm. I need to make sure that I sort these relationships out first. Again, this is a personal. This is personally for me. These these are these are my box tickers, and when I feel that I'm in a place where I can, I feel comfortable being vulnerable just with people in general. Then, you know, perhaps there will be when I get into those situations again, it'll go differently because I will have already learned how to be vulnerable in probably I would say that's the the safest way possible with people who already love and support me. On, on this, on this journey that you're going through, um, are you in therapy? No. Why not? Again, uh, a reluctancy to be open with someone else. Mm. Um, I still, there is a bit of me that, you know, every person deserves their secrets and that has them. And there's definitely, definitely a, uh, a reluctancy for that. And also I would say 
still kind of what could be deemed as a toxic male masculine thing. I was like, I can figure it out on my own. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's definitely, there's definitely that. It's just like, ah, I don't need to pay for that. Or I could go on YouTube and, you know, watch some videos and I'll, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. I'll need, yeah, there's no cap. There's definitely elements of that. Okay. Um, in it. <laughs> So you grew up in an African household, your first generation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Was mental health, and especially as a man, was mental health something that was ever spoken about in your house? No. No. Okay. Mm. Would you be open to going to therapy? Like now that you vocalize this like thing that isn't a thing, like you need, like, especially with our minds where we live every single day, right? Um, yeah. having a third party. I don't think that therapy is the end all and be all, but I think that it is helpful to provide us with a different perspective of a professional who is not on anybody's side, right? Um, mm. Would you consider it or are you still pretty hard pressed that like, nah? I'm still pretty hard pressed mm. only because the things that I have been doing uh, in my life as of late have been very um, beneficial to me, to my mental health and my physical health and my emotional health thus far. Mm. So I wouldn't say I'm pressed to do it. Like, okay. I don't feel that I'm in a place right now where I want to, I need to talk to somebody okay. about this, what's going on in my head. If that does happen, I'd like to hope that uh, I can utilize what I've been doing as of late and be that much more vulnerable and take the jump. Right. You know what I mean? I won't know that until I get there. If you are curious, it doesn't have to be uh, code red to go and see a therapist. If you're curious, if you just want, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be a level 10 in order for you yeah, to yeah, get yeah. those things out. That's all. No, I feel you on that. And, um, I, you know, Maybe. I'll consider it. Okay. I'll consider it. Progress. Growth, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said that you're doing other things. Do you mind sharing? Like, what do those other things that you do look like on your path for healing and just peace? Um, any, uh, a lot of walking. Mm -hmm. I walk a lot. Yeah. And I do morning devotionals. What, are, what is that? What are morning devotionals? Morning devotional, for example, I at the moment I do a Christian one. Okay. And it's really just kind of uh, someone, it's like a Bible a Bible verse is mm -hmm. read to you. Um, and then they they give you an interpretation. It's supposed to be, um, more often than not, it's inspirational. Okay. Whatever. And then, um, so yeah, I get, you know, I go for a walk. I do that. Mm -hmm. And then I listen to you. And I listen to you like uh, self-help books uh, from a spiritual standpoint. Got it. Um, so I recently read this book called Radical Acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like a, a pamphlet for uh, Buddhism. But, you know, it was it was quite insightful. And then I'm reading currently uh, this book called The 40, 40 Rules of Love. And it's based off of um, the philosopher poet Rumi. Okay. So, I, you know, I try to start my morning off with something inspirational. I try to do, try to stretch, try to do yoga, mm -hmm. a workout. 
um, more from, and these things are done from more, from a more holistic mindset of, you know, I'm doing these things for my brain. Right. Um, the benefits to my body are kind of like just a cherry on top. Gotcha. And I do try to connect with people mm-hmm. more. Like, you know, I try to say, call somebody, hang out with somebody, talk right. to somebody. Um, even though I like my alone time, you know, I still try to make an effort to like be around someone because, you know, that is good. It's it's proven that it's good for you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I try to take, I try to eat really well. I try to get sleep. I try to drink a lot of water. I do these very practical things at the moment that I find have had very beneficial things for my mind. And with all these benefits from these things that I'm doing, you know, it's allowing me, you know, it's opening me up more and more to the possibility of becoming more and more vulnerable. Yeah. I'm going to wrap this up, but before I do, is there anything that you want to say? Um, do you want to leave us with any kind of words or anything that I didn't touch on or, you know, you want to spit a verse or... You just came out of that with those. I was like, oh, snap. No, <laughs> I mean, more words, more words. I'm just fucking around. But like, is there any, any I, I want to give the last word to my guests. So if, if there's any word that you want to leave us with, now's your time. Um, hmm. Baby steps. Okay, perfect. Like, yeah. And where can the people find you? You can find me uh, on the gram at Jamie Casongo. Um, that, I think that's the only platform that I'm really on. You can also catch me at the Theater Royal, Drury Lane. Uh, I'm going to be playing Christoph in the Frozen musical. Woo! Uh, and that is in yeah, London so for, for the London babes. Um, it's going to be on the big stage. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for thank you for talking to me about this. Um, it was really insightful, and I want to thank you for being vulnerable and honest. Thank you. Right. I know thing. <laughs> you know, I love that conversation. So first of all, shout out to Jamie. Thanks for going there with me. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being transparent. Even listening back to it, I just think that it's such a beautiful and succinct way of really being honest about where you are in your life and ultimately who you are. And as always, thank you to you, the listener. You know, this is episode number two in the books, step by step, baby steps, if you will. And I'm just so happy and honored to each and every one of you who listens. This podcast is a labor of love. And each week I dedicate myself to bring you a conversation that is not only illuminating, but holds space for the messiness and vulnerabilities that relationships often bring forth. So thank you again. And to give you my own little take on a famous Maya Angelou quote, if somebody shows you who they are or tells you where they're at in life, believe them. There has never been a moment in my past, in my history, 
where anybody has been able to cajole me out of or convince me away from whatever season I was in. In life, there are so many different seasons. There's a season for solitude, for education, for friendships, for romance. And a lot of times these seasons overlap, but where somebody else is at on their journey is not a reflection of you and it's not a reflection of your worthiness. If somebody has the decency to be honest with you and to be honest about what they can give in your dynamic, you have to respect it. And if it's not in line with where you're at and what you're ready to receive and ready to give, it's okay to go elsewhere. It's okay to have boundaries and walk away. Don't make the same mistakes I made. You know, the great thing about making mistakes like that with overreacting or allowing somebody to get you out of your character is that you learn. It's a hard lesson, but you do learn. And I'm happy to say that after those two men in the distant past called me crazy, I've never walked away from a relationship feeling wounded, feeling used, feeling deceived. Those experiences allowed me to have better discernment and to be clear about my own season and what I was looking for in a partner. Did it always lead to relationship success? No, but that's not necessarily a failure. What it did lead to was a more grounded and centered sense of self and the ability to meet somebody where they're at. So I hope the same for you. I am here every Thursday. So tune in next week for an all new episode of I Shave My Ass for This. Also, you know, follow me on socials. It's I Shave My Ass for This across platforms and subscribe to this podcast. Subscriptions help. They let me know that you're listening and that you're grooving with it. If you're not ready to subscribe, that's cool too. There'll be another episode either way. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be you.